first slide up here? Oh, I do the cover sheet. Is that there? No. Oh, excellent. Thank you. Wonderful. All right. Okay. All right. So, good morning again, and welcome to the firehouse. Thanks for joining us this morning. Um, let's see. Before we get started here, just uh, maybe a quick uh, congratulations to the beaches there. Good, good job on it's um, Caden, is that right? Caden, Caden Paul Beach, is that right? Now, is that similar initials to yourself? Is that what I heard through the grapevine or no? Aha, uh-huh, gotcha. The middle age. Okay, let's go. Great. Good job, you guys. Congratulations. Um, let me see here. As far as the... Uh, I just wanted to reiterate an announcement Jeff had shared about the Super Bowl parties and things like that. Obviously, you know, the parties are only going to be as good as they can be with the Broncos not being in the game. Um, but you guys can maybe join me. I don't know if Luke or someone was going to share this earlier, but as a pastor, I just cannot help but cheer for the Saints. So let's uh, uh, be cheering for the Saints. I mean, no, we'll, we'll see. We'll uh, cheer for whoever you want. If you guys are the Saints, I do cheer for you all the time. So anyways, um, let's see here. Thanks, thanks Walter. Um, we are going to do a part two of a series that we started. So if you're new with us, you, you've jumped into the second teaching in a series. The series is entitled Burning for His Glory. And we're just going to maybe a, a quick recap of last week we talked about um, the purpose of the Firehouse Church and the purpose of the Firehouse Church is to bring great glory to God by obeying the great commandments and the great commission last week we talked about the great glory part of it that you know one of the things that in a nutshell you can know that we bring glory to God anything in creation brings glory to God when it does its God given purpose when it fulfills its God given purpose two of the specific purposes we are going to talk about in this series are the great commandment and the great commission and so today we're just going to see how we can bring glory to God by obeying the great commission and before we start talking about that we're just going to go ahead and pray and ask that God would help us to to catch uh, his voice this morning and his thoughts this morning that we can bring him glory so if you would let's just bow our heads and pray together well, Heavenly Father, um, it is just a pleasure to be here this morning with your your saints, Lord. Um, I think of the psalm that just says that your saints are my delight, the glorious ones are my delight. And Lord, I just thank you for all my brothers and sisters in Christ here. And we just thank you for the opportunity to come together this morning and worship you and to hear from you. And Lord, I do pray that you would give each one of us a, a good heart this morning. You say of the effects that your word has on a person uh, directly relate to the condition of their heart. And I pray you give us believing hearts and, and give us hearts that are not superficial but are, are ready to hear. And give us hearts, Lord, that are not distracted but focused on you. Lord, give us ears to hear your voice this morning and, and respond accordingly. Help us to know what it means to love you with all and, um, and then enable us to do that. And so we just ask for all this grace in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. amen. 
So this morning we are going to look at the Great Commandment. And some of you might be familiar with what the Great Commandment is, and some of you might not. Um, One of the ways that we know this is the great or even the greatest commandment is because uh, some of you might know the story back in the days when Jesus was teaching and preaching, and some guys tried to trap him and kind of see if they could trip him up in his answer, but they asked him, what is the greatest commandment? And he gave the answer, and that's the answer we're going to look at this morning, and it's found in Matthew chapter 22. If you do have a Bible, a house Bible, we can turn there together. It's uh, page 980 in your house Bible. It should be one under your chair or nearby you or something. I also hope you have a handout and a pen, because we're going to be taking some notes together this morning here. Um, But we're going to look at... What is the great commandment? Before we can obey it and bring glory to God, we've got to figure out what in the world it is, right? So um, let's do that. Um, And we'll start just uh, 23 and verse 37, maybe a verse before that. Actually, it's page 981. That's the end of chapter... Oh, it's 22. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Never mind. It is chapter 22. I'm jumping all over here in my Bible. Um, so basically in verse 36, someone asked him the question. says, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, excuse me, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So they asked him this question, and I think um, the answer they got was probably more profound than they realized. I think they were trying to figure out which doctrinal camp he aligned in, if he was this or that, or which, uh, which thing he emphasized, you know, uh, was he sided more with the Pharisees or the Sadducees and different things like that. But he answered, and it's, um, this is what he says the greatest commandment is. And, um, you know, I don't know if you think through the Old Testament, what is... What is your favorite verse from the Old Testament? What is your favorite verse in the Bible? What do you think is the most important thing? Each one of us probably has our own thoughts on that. Um, some of you might think, well, well, why didn't he pick another verse? I think of the verse where, like he even told the devil, worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Why was it not that verse that he picked? What about, um, some people think our goal in life is to know God. That should be our primary mission in everything we do. Why didn't he pick from the prophet Hosea? The prophet Hosea says, chapter 6, verse 3 says, Let us press on to know the Lord. Let us press on to know Him. And uh, Jesus didn't pick that one either. He picked this one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. And in some ways you can go, okay, let's look at love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, that's pretty straightforward, right? How much do you love yourself? Pretty. Uh, who did you feed this morning? Who did you clothe this morning? Who do you care for uh, daily? Who, who do you love the most? Did you let yourself go without a meal recently? Did you do something really dumb on purpose to yourself recently? Maybe, but I hope not. Um, But in general, we love ourselves. We do know how to love and care for and protect ourselves. And Jesus says, hey, or or God commanded, hey, you know how to take care of yourself. Now now love other people like you love yourself. And that's, that's the second commandment. But the greatest commandment, in essence, says, 
Love your neighbor like yourself and love God even more than yourself. Love God above that. However much you love yourself and your neighbors, take that up in order of magnitude and that's how you're to love God. And so the, the point we have there is really um, love God supremely. Love God supremely. If we could uh, boil that down into the essence of this great commandment is to love God supremely. So, um, so let's, we're going to look at... That's what it is, love God supremely, but we're going to look at why. Why should we carry out this great commandment? And then we're going to look at how. How do we carry out this great commandment? And then hopefully we'll march out of here knowing why and therefore doing it and then uh, bringing great glory to God as we go. So um, let's see here. The next question we have is why? Why should you, why should we obey the great commandment? That's what we're trying to do as a church. But really the church just consists of you and me and, and all of us put together here. So why should you obey the great commandment? Why should I? And the first, uh, first reason I'm going to give here is... Um, because it's what you were created for. You were created to have a loving relationship with God. The verse we put down here is Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. And it says this. Um, it says, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God He created him. Male and female He created them. And God created us uniquely. In all of creation, He created you and I uniquely in His image. And, and what that means in some ways is that He created us in a way that we could have a loving relationship with Him. It says the Bible tells us that God is love. And if He's going to make something in His image, it has to be able to relate in love. And God, one of the purposes He created us was to experience loving relationship with Him. So when we're looking for a purpose, when you carry out your purpose, it brings glory to God. And in one way you can look at the Great Commandment is that the greatest purpose that you have in your life is to experience God's love, to have a relationship with God, a loving relationship. And so that's what you were created for. And uh, so then that would be a good reason why you should do it, right? Um, Well, another thing to think about is it's the only fitting response to His passionate love for you. Um, He created you for a loving relationship, but not only that, it is fitting that you respond to Him with your love supremely. It is very fitting. I love this uh, this verse here. Um, it was in the first song we sang. There's there's this thing in the Bible that sometimes you know it's just you might wonder about it, and, and maybe um, and I have too, but I feel like God's given me some thoughts on. It's verse 34 uh, of Exodus and verse 14, and it's talking about God, and it says, "Do not worship any other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God." You know, and, and I don't know what that says to you, but for the longest time I thought, well, come on, God, what are you jealous for? I mean, you're, you're holy, you're righteous, you're perfect. Why do you got to go and be jealous, God? Come on. Um, and maybe you think the same thing. But, um, you know, really there's a... I think we need to distinguish the difference between jealous, being jealous, and being envious. Do you know the difference between being jealous and being envious? But it doesn't say God is an envious God. You know, envy is kind of like coveting. Uh, the heart of it is that you want something that's not yours. You know, and the, the Bible says, do not covet after your neighbor's this, that, the other thing. Um, you might know, do not covet after your neighbor's wife. But the, the heart of it is, do not strongly desire something that's not yours. That's envy. 
Um, and the difference between envy and jealousy is that jealousy pertains to something that is yours. I looked at a number of different definitions, and sometimes there's, there's overlap. It gets a little blurry. Don't be envious. Don't be jealous. Some people use those words synonymously. God does not. The Bible does not. You know, jealousy comes from the same root word as zealous. Zealous and jealous. That's why uh, the New Living Translation, it renders this passage, instead of saying that he's a, he's a jealous God, it says this. I, I love how it phrases it here. It says, um, You must worship no other God but only the Lord. He is a God who is passionate about His relationship with you. God is zealous about His relationship with you. And one of the definitions I like about uh, a jealous, it said them. Um, it said it's, it's to be... Uh, I wrote it down on my Palm Pilot here. I had it. I forgot to print it out, so I put it on my Palm Pilot here this morning. But uh, it's to be vigilant in protecting one's possessions. To be vigilant in protecting one's possessions. That's what jealousy is. And whether you know it or not, God made you and you are His. Uh, the Scriptures are loaded. Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. You belong to God. Whether you like it or not, he, he made you for a loving relationship and He has rights to you. And, um, and so he, he does it. He's vigilant in protecting and maintaining a relationship with you. And anything that gets in the way, it uh, arouses His jealousy. And when God gets jealous and backed with His... Uh, it's a righteous jealousy. It's not like sometimes we can get jealous. Hey, that's, that's my wife. She's, uh, you know, I have rights to her as a husband and, uh, you know, back off. Jealousy can sometimes come from our selfishness. We can have insecurities or we can think something's not right. God doesn't have insecurities. He's not selfish about uh, his relationship with us. He knows that he is the best thing that we could ever love and to love anything else is settling for less than he's made us for. But um, I like, uh, I watched a movie a while back. Any of you seen the movie Fireproof? It's a, it's a fun movie, a good Christian one with Kurt Cameron in it. Um, you can tell it's been a little while since he's acted, I think. Um, but, uh, in, in the movie, uh, he's doing great with his evangelism ministry and stuff. I think uh, God's really using him there. But uh, in this movie, one of the things they have is they focus on his marriage. And they show his personality is just that he's not very loving to his wife. He's very selfish. And she's somewhat selfish as well. But as the course of events unfolds, because the way he's treating her this way, she gives her heart to another man, a co-worker. I think she works at a hospital and she gives her heart to a doctor. And this doctor knows she's married and he kind of tries to win her heart. But eventually the, the scene is where this husband, he, he's starting to get a clue. And he goes, that is my wife. And he's passionate about her and he's zealous about her and even jealous, finally in a good way. And he goes into the hospital and he gets in the face of the doctor and says, this is my wife and you get away from her. And he expresses that zealous, passionate love. And that's what kind of love God has for you. That's why you should obey the great commandment, love Him supremely. It is the only fitting response to His passionate love. Now here's another reason we should obey. Uh, and that's simply because He's commanded us to obey. You know, He created us for love, so it would be good to do what He created us for. He, he loves us passionately. It would be good to respond to that. And if that wasn't enough, He said, Hey, I'm commanding you. This is the greatest commandment you can have. If there was only one or two laws to obey, it would be love me and love your neighbors and everything else 
should hang off of that, should originate there. He's commanded us to love. It's meant to be obeyed. You know, for me, what I find sometimes is, uh, and, and for a while, probably for too long, I'd look at this verse and I guess the greatest commandment ever. And I look at it and I just get frustrated. I go, how in the world am I ever going to do this? With all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, give me a break. It's too great. And I would be intimidated by it. Or some people might be you know, further along than I was and they go, well, I'll ponder it. Boy, that's a great verse. Let me just ponder what that would be like if I actually did it. You know, um, It's not meant to be pondered. It's not meant to paralyze you with intimidation. It's meant to be obeyed. And by the way, you know, I was talking to my kids about this verse this week. We, we try to, you know, I try to practice my teaching on them a little bit, and I was asking them what the greatest commandment was, and they said, "I don't know," because I hadn't taught it to them yet. And so um, we, I started teaching them, and, and after I was done, we're saying, "This is the greatest commandment: to love God with all." You know, we do all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And um, but after I was done, my daughter Graham said, um, "God's commands are really hard." aren't they dad and I was like yeah they are you're right this is the greatest command it's a summary of the command and it's extremely hard basically you can't do it without his help you know and and that's the idea but uh, but it nonetheless it is the command it's what we've been told to do it's what we've been put on the planet to do and it's what we probably most often fall short of doing right now if that's not enough reasons that he created us for for loving relationship it's a fitting response he's commanded it Um, you know another one to throw in here is that especially as it relates to you and I in this day and age he loves you so much he, he knows you've not loved him supremely he knows you've loved yourself supremely over time and, and he knew that that would violate his laws it would violate a relationship with him it would earn his eternal punishment uh, even though he loves us he is eternally just and but yet he loved us so much that he, he wanted to restore that relationship, have a way that we could still have loving relationship with him. And some of you know this verse, uh, John 3.16, the most uh, popular verse in the Bible. Um, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And one of the things you need to know is that um, it says he loves the world, um, and in some ways it can be a generic sort of verse. He loves the world, he loves... But it's doctrinally okay if you personalize this verse. Did you know you could put your name in some of these places where it says the world and you believe and you will not perish and um, God loves you. You know, put it like this. Try to try to catch the places where you could put your name in. You know, I'll do like state your name or something like that. But God so loved you, Jessica, Jen, Danielle. God so loved state your name, that he gave his one and only son for you. That if, state your name, believes, you will not perish, but you will have eternal life. God loved you so much that he gave his son for you, that if you believe, you will not perish, you will have eternal life. That's another reason why we should obey the great commandment, because he gave... His greatest treasure to us, His one and only Son. So there's a few reasons why. If you don't know why you should obey, review these. You're created for a loving relationship. It's the only fitting response to His passionate love. He's commanded us to do it. That one in and of itself would be enough. And He's given His Son 
so that you can have a loving relationship with Him. And so that's, that's why we should obey the Great Commandment. Let's move on to a little bit of how. How do we obey this Great Commandment? Um, let's see here. We'll start with... Um, you guys following along your blanks all right? We missed any blanks yet? I hope not. I think they should be underlined and in here. So, um, But the, the first thing we're going to look at from this verse is um, how do we love God supremely? Well, first, we love by loving God completely. Do you notice in every one of these things, your heart, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, God has designed that you love Him with all, like completely. Um, sometimes we get the idea that God is into like percentages you know like school school is into percentages you get a 70% sometimes you're glad you know 80, 90 probably even better sometimes we think God's like that boy if I could just give God 90% of my heart he should be happy right well no God designed your entire heart to be used for loving him he designed everything to be with all it's not like a slice of the pie God gets the biggest slice of the pie and then I divvy up the rest with everybody else that's not what he's talking about here that might be what you think or have thought but that's wrong this is what he thinks he wants it all uh, not a percentage and so um, and, and that's reasonably so because he gave us all now uh, let's look at some of the different facets of all that he wants uh, the next one here is um, he wants all your heart he wants you to love him passionately He's given you a heart that experiences emotions and desires and passion. And He wants you to love Him passionately. Uh, now, now, some of you might find yourself saying, Well, I'm just not that passionate. I'm just me. Oh, is me. Yeah, Mark Darling's passionate, but I'm not. Bill Crosswhite's passionate, but I'm not. Um, you know, we just might look around and go, But I'm just not passionate. You know, the problem with that is that whatever passion you got... That is what you're to love God with. And, and guess what? You've got a passion for something. I can, I can bet on it. I would bet on it. And I'd like to ask you a question. What are you passionate about? Let's set aside God for a moment. I assume you're all passionate about God. We'll put that on the side. What, what else are you passionate about? What, what makes your heart beat faster? What are you willing to spend your time, your money, your effort on? What are you passionate about? Maybe you guys fire out some answers here. Cars. We're passionate about cars. There you go. Children. Kids. Um, career. Some of you are passionate about sports. Anyone passionate about sports? Anyone passionate about the Denver Broncos? Brian, you better raise your hand. Okay. That's good. They have a, they get the Denver Bronco Christmas ornament each year, so he's got some fun ornaments on the tree there. Um, how about basketball? Anyone passionate about basketball? Yes, yes I am. There's a few too. I see you guys out there. We, we eat on each other on occasion out on the courts there. So, um, um, what else can we be passionate about? Some of you are passionate about beverages. Some of you are passionate about beer. Some of you are passionate about coffee. We know that about you and you and some of you other there. Um, we're passionate. It's okay. God has given us a heart that we can be passionate. What else gets your heart pumped? Some of you are passionate about reading. You love to read. Right, honey? Right. So some of us are passionate about family and friends. Some of you are passionate about movies. 
Anyone like the Twilight series out there? Um, yes, yes we do. Some do, some don't. Uh, um, some of you are passionate about news or other forms of entertainment. Um, you've got your thing. Maybe you're passionate about your house or your cars. But each one of you, I want you to get that fresh in your mind. What are you passionate about? What are you willing to put your money into, sacrifice some time for, maybe sacrifice some sleep? My point is, you do know how to be passionate. And, um, and so you can take, in some way, you can take these things that you naturally have a tendency towards, and then you can go, you know, all that effort and the way I think about that, that is how God wants me to think about Him. He wants me to sacrifice for Him. He wants me to be passionate about politics. Some of you get started on politics, and your blood starts to boil, and your cheeks turn color, and you know what? God wants your blood to boil for Him. You know how to do it already. You just got to kind of change the subject and then make Him the subject, you know? And so, um, God wants all your heart, and, and you've got a heart, and whether you know it or not, you might find yourself getting passionate about something and go, oh, gee, maybe I do have some passion that I could send God's way, you know? And again, you don't have to be, you don't have to be as passionate as Steel Crosswhite is singing these rock your face off rock your face off for Jesus songs up there, you know, and um, or Mark Dolan is screaming his head off as he preaches for the Lord. If that's not your heart, then well, you don't have to do that. But God's going to call you someday to account for your heart and your passion and how you've loved Him. And um, He wants you to love Him with all your heart. Another thing to think about here is is your soul. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. Um, in some ways, one of the reasons I had trouble obeying this whole command is because, well, I didn't understand a lot of it. Okay, my heart, I can get that, but my soul, what in the world is my soul anyways? And how do I love God with it? And um, some, some would say, I read one commentary that said each one of these relates to, your heart relates to your emotional nature. Your soul relates to your volitional nature, like your, your choices, your your things like that, your will. Um, your mind relates to your uh, intellectual nature. And with your strength relates to your physical nature. But really your soul, I think, I've heard another definition, it's kind of like your, um, it's what makes you, you. Aside from your body, your soul uh, uniquely makes you, you. It's uh, some, one author called it your eternal personality. What you are, how you express yourself with your heart and your way you think and your choices, that's your soul. And so you're to love God personally. Because you're the only one who can love Him like you can. You're the only one who's got a soul uniquely like you do. And you know, I think we need to just catch that. Love God with all your soul. You know, I'm, I think for me, I've seen little bits and pieces of this just on a small microcosm with my own family. You know, I, I see their, their personality and what makes them each unique. And it's just amazing how different my two girls are from one another. You know, they're just... Um, uh, they're just so different. And then my boys are very different than my girls. And it, it's just, uh, it's been fun to see it recently as a family. We've had a little family project here. We've got um, we've got a couple squirrels that live in the neighborhood. And uh, my kids might have told you about them already. I heard Roy tell Bree about Jumpy Squirrel. We named the squirrel Jumpy Squirrel. Because he jumps from this to that, he calls everywhere. And there's another squirrel that hangs out with him. What we, we call him Cousin, uh, instead of Jumpy, he's Junpei. Cousin Junpei. We're not sure if Junpei is... 
speaks French or Spanish or something, but Jumpy and Jupe, they hang out all the time. And uh, my kids have been watching some like Tom and Jerry and stuff like that. And they got this idea they're going to catch Jumpy Squirrel or they're going to catch Jupe or one of them or both of them. And so they made this little trap out in the yard, which they did basically just took a bunch of toys and made a tower. And I think they hope it's going to fall on them or something. It's, it, it could be dangerous. But I saw it. I saw their cute efforts. And I go, I'm going to get in on this here. I, I can actually make a trap, you know. And so we as a, a family, we've been working to catch Jumpy Squirrel. And we've got this milk cart. You know, it's a basic design. It's, it's one of those milk crates that uh, you stand on like a little soapbox type thing. And we put a little stick under it. And uh, and we tied a string to the stick so we can hide somewhere and pull it out. And um, it's just been fun to see the kids thinking. You know, Grandma's like, you know, it's, it's right by this tree. He's always in this tree. We put our food in there. And, and my daughter, Grandma's like, we could uh, climb in the tree and pull the string and wait until he comes and pull the string. And I was kind of like, he would see you. You know that, right? And uh, so she's like, okay. We, you know, we, we start working through. See, I, I try to ask him, when we catch the squirrel, what do you think we should do with him? You know, and both Rory and Grandma are like, we should care for the squirrel. We should make it our pet. We need to make a nice home. It's probably, you know, and I'm like, okay. And I'm, I'm telling Justice, Justice, let's eat the squirrel. We're going to eat the squirrel. And so he's like, yeah, we're going to eat the squirrel. Finally, the other day, he decided he did not want to eat the squirrel. And Morgan doesn't want to have anything to do with the squirrel. She thinks we should release it and not catch the plague and do all that, you know, let it go. But in the process, I've just seen their unique personalities play out, and it's just it just draws me to them. My heart just goes out to them. The other day, um, we were sitting, uh, we have the string that runs into our laundry room. We could see the trap out there by the tree. And, um, and so they have these three chairs sitting in the laundry room looking out there and we were out there waiting and watching for him you know he's, I don't even know he's in the neighborhood and they're just watching and, and so finally some of the kids have to take their naps you know and so Justice and Graham go to bed but Rory she's not taking naps and so she's like going to stay up and keep an eye out for Jumpy Squirrel and in the process she started getting tired and I think my wife kind of wanted to get her to do something else so she ended up going to watch a movie well while she went to watch a movie and everyone was napping we went and checked the trap and the bread was gone and I said, Rory, what happened? And she's like, oh, it's my fault. I went and watched the movie. And she was so sincere and so distraught. She just, you know, even I just asked her this morning, remember when we left the bed? She said, I know. And she was so, she was so humble. And I was just, my heart was just endeared to her. I just wanted to love her and be like, oh, it's so cute. We'll catch him yet. You know, I went, I went at one point and uh, I, I heard in the laundry room just Rory and Graham in there. And I listened. I was like, what are they talking about? And they were both praying. They took turns praying that they could catch Jumpy Squirrel. And and we got so close the other day. It was like Roy said, Dad, he's out there. He's climbing around. And he climbed around. We had the string. He got into the crate. And I pulled it. And I don't know if it, it made a loud sound or something, but he got out of it and he escaped. And we were so excited, but then he got away. But um, as I see my kids as it relates to Jumpy Squirrel and life in general, I just see them each unique in their personalities and I just love them for who they are and, and I try to you know show them that I love them because they express love back to me uniquely from each one of them and you know the degree I love my kids I think is a ton but I just want to let you know that God loves each one of you more than that 
God loves each one of you uniquely. He, he knows your unique personality. He knows your different quirks and your different strengths and your different um, you know, nuances, if you will. And He loves you. Um, but, you know, it's not, it's not really all about you. The command is for you to love Him. As unique as your soul is, God wants you to respond to His love uniquely and love Him back as only you can do. Only you are wired like you are wired. And God wants you to love Him personally as only you can do. In the hard times, when things are sad or are broken, there's something in the way that you express bitterness to Him. There's only one way, one person on the planet that relates to Him that way. And that's you. And when things are joyful and awesome, there's only one person that's going to express that joy uniquely the way you do. And that's you. And you just need to know that God wants you to love Him with all you are, with your personality, with who you are. And it's not about, sometimes we can get into our personality like, hey, I wish people would notice how cool I am, how profound, how quirky, you know, so that you would love me. But, you know, that's broken. Our souls are designed to love Him supremely. And often the fault that we come to is loving ourselves supremely. And, and we need to just love Him as you are. You know, let's see if Lewis puts it like this as far as um, finding yourself more. It says, um, the more we let God take us over, the more truly ourselves we become, because He made us. He invented all the different people that you and I are intended to be. It's when I turn to Christ, when I give myself up to His personality, that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. Do you want to be more and more who you are? Give yourself up to Him. Love Him, and you'll find out more and more about who you are and who He's designed you to be, and, and, and how to do that in only the way you can. So uh, that's that's one there to think about. Um, love God with all your mind, and that's that's thoughtfully. You know, um, I want to let you know something. Not 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 one of you has the mind of C.S. Lewis. You know that I'll place a lot of money of it on it. None of you have the mind of C.S. Lewis. I'm sorry to tell you, sorry to break the news, none of you have the mind of Ravi Zacharias. None of you have the mind of your favorite author or whatever. They've got their own mind. That was the one God gave them. He's given you your mind, and He wants you to love Him with it. And that's that's being thoughtful, using your mind to think about Him and to love Him. And um, You know what I've noticed sometimes is I can sing a song that I get familiar with. I have some songs that I've known for years, and I could sing them. I can even verbally sing them, and my mind could be somewhere else. My mind could be working on the trap to catch a jumpy squirrel, and I'm singing, I love you, Lord but I'm not thinking about you right now. God doesn't want your mindless worship. He's giving you a mind so you can think about it, so you can think about Him. And, and not only that, it's, again, it's, it's a reflection of Him. Did you know that God thinks about you all the time? Did you know that? That's, just a, that's pretty cool to think about it. One verse here, Psalm 139, puts it like this. How precious it is, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn towards me. And when I awaken in the morning, you're still thinking of me. Do you know God thinks about you all the time? How to get His love involved in your life? How to send love your way that you can respond to it with your love? Uh, Psalm 40. Some of you know Psalm 40? Anyone know who wrote that one? It's not Bono. Some of you, he, he wrote a song 40. Uh, he took it right out of here, but 
he wasn't the original author. You guys probably knew that. But anyways, um, Psalm 40 says, verse 5, O Lord, many and many a time you have done great miracles for us, and we are ever in your thoughts. Who else can do such glorious things? He goes on to say, at verse 17 uh, of Psalm 40, I am poor and needy, yet the Lord is thinking about me right now. Do you know God's thinking about you right now? Isn't that amazing to think that God thinks about us all the time. You know the only problem with that is? So do we. We think about us all the time too, don't we? You know, you're probably your, your own most favorite subject to think about. You, what you can do to make yourself happy, what you can do to... Um, we think about ourselves all the time. And he said, hey, by the way, I gave you your mind so you can think about me all the time. And how are you doing in thinking about God? How much of your bandwidth in your brain goes to Him? And thinking about ways you can love Him and ways you can obey Him. Ways you can do things to please Him. God wants you to, to love Him with all your mind. Thoughtfully. That's what we're going to look at here. Just probably the quickest one is... Um, Another version of this adds on, uh, in, in Mark, it adds on to love God with all your strength. In the Old Testament, if you look back on this verse, it says love God with all your might. And so we want to say here, love God mightily. Love Him with all your strength. All the strength. You know, it, in essence what it's saying is it takes effort to love God. It takes energy to love God. And you, um, you and I, we give our strength to things every day. We give our energy to things every day. We start off with energy. We end up the day, most of us, without energy. Your energy, your strength goes somewhere. And God's saying, uh, use it for loving me. Now you may say, well, I put it into good causes. I've got to work. I've got to raise the kids. I've got to do things like that. Take my classes. That's fine. But the point is that you use your strength in such a way that it shows love to God. You can do all that in a way that... It shows love to God, especially if you're doing things that are passionately and that are from you personally to show Him love and thoughtfully. And do it mightily. Do it with all your strength. So those, those are ways to obey. That's how we obey the great commandment with, with all that He's given us. One last one here on your form is this one. Um, we also need to obey... The great commandment. We need to love God obediently is the blank we have here. Love God obediently. And and this is something that I think we need to uh, just continue to think about, meditate on, is that somehow when we think of love, I think most of us don't think of obedience. You know, we think of a passionate, loving relationship. It's not really about obedience. It's about spending time with someone, being consumed by them, whatever it is, you know, uh, uh, that honeymoon phase of life when you're just Twitter and um, well that's a good sort of love but Jesus kind of gives us a little more uh, meat a little more practical ways to express our love and he says this whoever has my commands and obeys him that's who loves me whoever loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him but he said somehow he ties in your obedience to God as a, as a way to love him and I think there's often a disconnect for us there um, just a few um, excerpts from John chapter 14 where Jesus he talks about this like four times in one chapter um, so it's not like uh, an accidental verse here it's like somehow he wants to communicate to us that the way you obey 
directly ties into how much you love God. Everyone says they love, oh, I love God. Well, uh, if someone looked at your life, would they see you obeying God? Would they see you loving Him with your obedience as much as with your mouth? You know, and that's, that's a question we have to think about. But uh, verse 15 of chapter 14, he says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. Verse 21, we just read here, it's on the screen. Verse 23 says, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, we will come to him and make our home with him. And he who does not love me will not obey my teaching. You know, in some ways, we can all say we love God, but when someone looks at our life, do they see are we obeying God? Um, And maybe to what degree are we obeying God? Um, um, And then he ends this whole chapter here. This is, again, pretty profound. The world must know, verse 31, the world must know, uh, must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. And again, you have to think more like a father relating to a child in this one. There's a way that, you know, we just train our kids. We're trying to train them to obey. And every now and again we get these glimpses of they deliberately do something that they're supposed to do because they want to show us love. And unfortunately those seem few and far in between. But but whenever they do, you know, uh, they'll say something like, Dad, I went and asked Mom how can I help her or what can I do next because I wanted to show her that I loved her. And occasionally they do that the hope is they do that more and more but but how often do you obey something with the sole purpose of showing love to God you know I think that we, we so often are wired to think of love emotionally like oh I had this really great feeling about God today I must have really loved him no you obeyed him in something because you wanted to show him love and that's what he would say really loved him that's how you can really love him and so we need to make sure we're catching that here so obeying um his command is a way that we can show love. And, you know, as you think about your, your mind, your soul, your heart, your strength, there's actually commands when you read your Bible. There's things he says, hey, you want to love me with your mind? Well, here's what you think about. He gives lists of things. Some of you might know Philippians 4.8. Think about things that are true, things that are righteous, noble, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Think about those things you want to love them with your mind. Um, and he talks about things, don't think about these things. There's places we would take our minds that God would never go. And you want to love Him with your mind, there's just ways to obey Him with your mind and with your heart. There's things that He wants us to be passionate about and there's things He, he doesn't want us to go near. There's things where He says, hey, you know what? What's going on in your heart right now is prostitution, adultery. He uses that language throughout the Old Testament. He says in some places, um, uh, you're whoring yourself with other things, with other gods. You're being a whore. And uh, English Standard Version, just on that same passage, he's a jealous God that goes on to say, don't, don't intermingle with these people because you will whore yourself to other gods like they do. That's how serious God is about them, loving Him with all your heart. There's things to do with your heart and there's things not to do. And we need to know that, again, it's tied into that. So, anyways, we're going to close with, well, what can we do now? The great commandment, love God supremely. Uh, the why? Well, because He created us for that. It's a fitting response. He's commanded it and He gave His Son. The, the how? Completely. Um, Passionately, personally, thoughtfully, mightily, obediently. Now let's look and see how the, the rubber meets the road on some of this. How can you obey the great commandment today? How can you get on with this passionate, loving relationship with God today? Well, some of you, it might just be the first step here. 
the first step is getting right with God. We need to... Um, you need to start that relationship with God. God loves you passionately, but you might not even be in a relationship with Him yet. Um, it's kind of like I love the, the comparison of being in a relationship with God to being married. You know, you don't accidentally get married. You know, someone asks you, when did you get married? You know, husbands, you say, ah, sometime. I, we just started, make, I have a wife, I don't even know how it happened. No, somewhere along the way, you made a choice to get married, to say, I do, I do take this person to be my spouse for the rest of my life. The same is true with a loving relationship with God, with becoming a Christian. It didn't just happen. You know, it's kind of like, well, someone might say, well, there are common law marriages, you know. But yeah, well, that's not God's idea. God says you, you take vows before Him and before witnesses and before the one you, you marry. And, you know, in some ways, common law marriages, when you get married, nothing changes. You keep doing what you were doing the whole time. Nothing even changes. So when you get married in a relationship with God, everything changes. Everything changes. Um, and so you need to begin. And, and how do you begin? Uh, let's see what we have here. First, you need to believe in and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord. Um, just some different verses to think on that. Um, you know, one of the very first things you can obey, you love God by obeying Him, one of the very first things you can do is believe in Jesus as your Savior. Mark chapter 1, the first message Jesus went public with, He said, hey, the kingdom is near. Repent and believe the good news. Um, that's something to be obeyed. You know, what is the good news? Really, the good news is that God loves you so much. Uh, he sent His Son to die for you. News, I like to think of, there's a couple, a bunch of different new things that happen there. Um, when you come to receive Christ as your Savior, it says you get a new record. You count it forgiven for the rest of your life. Forgiven. It's a new record. You get a new you. That's one of the things that resonated with me is that uh, a verse I heard several times that was preached was that if anyone's in Christ, is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you become a new you. And uh, you get a fresh start, a new you, a new you that loves to please God and bring Him glory. You get a new, um, you get a new life. You know, God could have said, "Hey, look, you get a new record. There's a new person. You're going to sin the rest of your life, but you're forgiven, and you're a new you. Don't think about you know all the mess you're going to make here." It says, "You get a new record. You get a new life. Uh, I mean, a new you, and you get to live in a new life that's free from sin. It's not in the same old rut. You get um, a new purpose. Instead of living for your own glory." You can live for His glory. You get a new destination. Instead of heading to where everyone heads who sinned against God, eternal separation from Him in hell, you get a new destination, eternity in heaven with the God who's passionate about you. And Jesus said, hey look, repent and believe the good news. You've got to change your mind about this here. Some of you, um, you need to catch the bad news. You have sinned against God. You've sinned against God a ton. If, if only in one commandment, love Him supremely, how many times have you violated that? Well, only one time is enough to carry an eternal sentence. And if you're honest with yourself, you and I all know each one of us has sinned so many times in just breaking that command and then add in love your neighbor as yourself. And, but God knew that and He, he sent His Son to take the, pen, the, the punishment for you. But you need to believe the good news. Um, and let's see. And again, it's kind of like wedding vows. You also need to. There's one verse that says, "To all who receive him and believe in his name, he came. He gave the right to become children of God." 
You need to believe and you need to receive Him. You know, you need to believe that He died on the cross for your sins, um, but you also need to personally receive Him. And, and I think sometimes people think believing is this intellectual thing. Yeah, I believe that Jesus existed in history because, well, our entire calendar is framed around His birth, and all historians, secular or not, they know Jesus lived and died and um, existed. And it's not about an intellectual thing. There's a receiving of them. It's kind of like as a pastor, when you're doing vows, you're helping two people, you ask this person, hey, do you take this person to be your lawfully wedded wife or husband? You know, the same is true with Christ. Do you state your name, take Jesus Christ to be your Savior and your Lord? And it's kind of like vows. It's kind of like saying, I do. Another place it says, you have to confess and believe. Um, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And again, it's kind of like um, you're not married until you say, I do. You can live together, you can do all sorts of things, but until you express that saying, I do, you're not married. The same is true until you express to Jesus, I do believe you died for me. I do receive you. Until you do that... You haven't begun the relationship with Him. But once you've done that, that relationship is secure for eternity. Regardless of how well you, you love Him or not, he, he secures it by His love for eternity. So I just want to ask you that question. Have you, have you said, I do, to Jesus Christ yet and begun your relationship with God? You know, it's simply by, you know, I think some I do is probably going to make vows related to this. You know, as a pastor, it's, it's kind of like marriage in that you, you facilitate vows between two people, you know. And sometimes you hear people say, I shared the gospel with someone and I saved them. And I go, oh, no, you didn't save them. And if you saved them, they're probably not saved at all, you know. Um, but, um, but in some ways, we get to play the role of seeing these two people meet and introducing them and... I would love to see you introduced to Christ and you say, I do to Him. You know, it might start off by saying, I do need your forgiveness. I, I do realize I sinned against you. I do believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I do receive you as my Savior and my Lord. And that will begin your relationship with God. And we're going to close here in a minute. And, and you could pray something simply like, Jesus, I do believe in you and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Um, now, if you have done that, we're just going to close with some real fast um, how, to, how to grow in your relationship. If you've begun that relationship, you know, it's, it's really going to be a lifelong journey of getting to know Him better and love Him more. Oops, I passed something up here. Uh, great commandment. Can you scoot me to that last slide there? Um, but really, it's, you get to know Him. You know, I think about when I first was falling in love with my wife. You know, I, I just, from there I got to know her. I just spent time getting to know her. No one had to tell me what to do. I just wanted to spend time with her. I wanted to talk to her. I wanted to listen to her. Um, when I wasn't with her, I was trying to figure out when I was going to get to be with her next. Uh, when I wasn't with her, I was shamelessly telling others about this woman who I was going to marry. And, you know, they, whether or not they wanted to hear about it, I wanted to share. And, you know, that's what your relationship with God is kind of like too when you first respond to His love and His forgiveness really you just can't help but want to spend more time getting to know this God who loves you and when you share I remember just a young Christian I just couldn't help but share with everyone I thought you know they need to know this this is amazing and I just was like gushing and um, and some of you have done the same thing you know I've heard of that even as a young uh, woman here recently come to Christ and just you just can't help but share when you are in love you know and um, 
But the problem is over time you can lose that. You know, Revelations 2.4 talks about, he's talking Jesus, one of the last things he says in the Bible is to these churches, but one he says, hey you, you've fallen away from your first love. You used to be passionate about me. And he says, you need to repent and get back to doing those things you did at first. And you know, I just want to ask you, have you gotten away from your first love? You may have loved Jesus like that and told everyone about Him and um, spent, spent time. I just remember times just, uh, the Bible was just amazing and I would read it and i go, well, let's try this out. And next thing you know, something cool happened. And I remember praying on my knees all the time because I just wanted to be on my knees before my Savior. And I, I remember telling everyone and, um, and it's so easy to kind of grow out of that um, as, as you've been in a relationship for a while. And you know that the same truth that it says there, get back to the things you did at first. We all need to probably get back in somewhere or another to our first love of God when we first came to Christ, you know. And um, another place it says, well, you might go, well, I, didn't, I haven't forsaken my first love. Well, chapter 3 talks about someone who's not, you haven't forsaken him. You're not cold for God. You're not hot for God. You're just lukewarm, which is even worse because you think you're doing all right. And Jesus said in chapter 3 of Revelation, He said, I know your deeds. I know your actions you're taking because of your love and you're just lukewarm. He says it makes me, he said I want to spit you out of my mouth, which literally is, it makes me want to vomit when I see you lukewarm in your love for me. And he goes on to tell them, repent and be zealous again. And if you haven't, if you aren't in your first love, I encourage you to get back to it. And some of the practical ways you do that are reading your Bible and applying it to your life. Read the Bible, and as you look at there, you go, what in this can I apply to my relationship with God? And use God's Word as fuel for your relationship with Him, passion for your relationship with Him. I had a fun one this week where I was just reading in a Matthew chapter 8, and I've read the chapter before. It's all these different faith things that, uh, you know, people believe things, and Jesus responded, and He healed, a, uh, he healed some blind guys. He uh, kicked out this legion of demons at one place, but He was doing all these in response to people's faith, and I read it, and I was like, I already know this. I already know the answers to this one. I know the applications. And I just kind of had a hard heart. And then I took some time and I came back and I read it again. And he gave me a new thing that I had not even noticed before was that the whole thing was on authority. You know, their faith was in what Jesus had authority to do. One guy said, I know you have the authority to just speak it and it will happen over there where my servant is where you're not even at. That's what authority you have. And each person came to him going, you know, if I just touch his robe, he's got authority to heal me just by doing that. And, and I started going, whoa, there's something I can learn here. The first guy is a person that said they fell down, bowed down before him and worshipped him. And you know what I did when I read this? I got down on my knees and I worshipped the God of all authority. Who has the authority to do anything I would ask Him in prayer. And I feel like God is trying to rekindle my first love for Him. But I encourage you, use the Word, read it. Figure out how you apply it to your relationship. Some of you might know the acronym SPACE PETS. We can close with that. It's an acronym I remember from a long time ago. But anytime you're reading, you can use this little acronym and I can get it to you later. But it's kind of like, look for things. S is sin to confess. Is there any sin I'm reading about that the Pharisees are doing that I need to confess? Promises to believe. I'm reading the promise that I need to believe. An attitude to change. A command that I need to obey to show God's love. An example that I can follow. I felt like I was able to follow in the example of the lepers who bowed down before the God of all authority. There's a prayer to pray. So many actions we could take in prayer. There's errors to avoid. There's... um, 
T is thanks to give, thanksgiving that you can give. S is something, something else you can do. I don't know, you know, I think it's something to praise Him for or something like that. But there's just ways you take what you read and figure out how to get what you're reading into your relationship and get out of the, the rut or the blaseness or whatever. Start responding to His Word. Lastly, just share your heart with Him through prayer. Um, just pour out your heart to Him. Tell Him your feelings. Tell Him your love for Him, your faith in Him. Tell Him your fears, your frustrations, your failures. And just get on with an honest relationship with Him and ask, uh, ask Him for the things you need. You know, just close with this verse here. You know, um, this is Jesus was talking to Paul and at one point, you know, Paul said, hey, take this thing away from me. And, and Jesus responded, no, but I am with you. That is all you need. My power shows up best in weak people. You might be familiar with my grace is sufficient for you. might try to think about it like this for a while. I'm with you. That's all you need. If you're weak, I could probably help you out. That's what he's saying there. And um, Is the Christian life going to be easy? Is it easy to live following Jesus and bringing Him glory? No, but I'm with you. That is all you need. Jesus has everything you need to carry out the great commandment. Jesus has everything you need to bring Him great glory. If you'll just get weak and honest and humble with Him, and He can help you out with that. We'll go ahead and close here. And... Uh, we aren't going to be able to do this song afterwards there, but we'll just close and get on with them carrying out the great commandment here. Well, Lord Jesus, I just uh, I thank you for your words. God, uh, I just ask for your help. We, we do look to you. We tell you on our own, we cannot do this. We can't even get close to loving you like this. Um, but with you, we have everything that we need. Jesus, we just think about how you perfectly carried out the great commandment. That you passionately and personally and thoughtfully and um, with your strength and mightily and... Oh, I think I got them all. But you carried them out perfectly, Lord Jesus. And, and you can help us do the same. You carried out obedience as an act of love perfectly. You can help us do the same. God, I just pray you would unleash your love in us and through us. Help us to respond to your great love um, with our love supremely. And we just ask that you would bring great glory to yourself through this church as we carry out the great commandment. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you guys for joining us this morning. We'll see you next Sunday to look at the Great Commission. So have a great day.